This is episode 83 of the Rising Man podcast with Cecil Lee Slade. Rituals are the formulas by which harmony is restored. Good Rising family, welcome back to the Rising Man podcast. I'm your host, Jetty Azuma, and I've got an incredible episode in store for you today. Before we jump in, make sure you guys all sign up for our Call of the Warrior event, September 7th here in Los Angeles, and it's coming up fast. We will be on the beach for this one-day event, diving deep into the pain and grief that we hide from the world, accessing this power and expressing it together as brothers. My brother, Leon Ruri, is coming all the way from Australia to teach us how we can harness this energy and express ourselves by performing the haka together on Venice Beach at sunset. It's going to be epic, so register right now at rise.jetty azuma.com slash warrior share it with the brother that you want to bring with you and get him out there with you it's going to be amazing so do that right now pause the episode go sign up for call the warrior then come back and check out my brother we got on here today all right my guest for today is none other than Cecily Slade he is my Polynesian warrior brother raised in Australia his cultural roots are from Samoa he serves as a guide for humans to connect to their true essence he's the founder of Toa tribe and cultivator of Toa Coco, a special ceremonial gray cacao. He's also a zoo instructor, Z-U-U, not a zoo like animals, but Z-U-U instructor and practitioner, mastering his body and mind with daily movement practice. An incredible man who I've known for a while. He's also one of the founding fathers of the Conscious Man Brotherhood and a coach inside Man Cave. On this episode, we talked about learning to listen, how some of the most powerful men oftentimes are the ones who say the least. We talked about reconnecting with the culture that we lost, shared Sess's journey and rediscovery of his Samoan roots, and also talked about cultural appropriation versus cultural appreciation, how honoring the old ways with curiosity and reverence is the way for us to proceed forward and continue coming together as a global tribe. We talked about practicing discipline with daily practices and establishing a strong sense of commitment by starting small and how daily rituals will boost your relationship with your partner and amplify the love that you share between each other. Without further ado, Cecily Slade. All right, here we go. Rising Man family, I have another amazing guest for you guys today. This is a really close brother of mine, a man that I deeply respect, and we work side by side together in Man Cave, and he's also a member of the Conscious Man Brotherhood. My bro, who's out in Brisbane right now, Cecily Slade. What's up, bro? What's up, Jenny? It's an honor to be here. Thank you for having me on your podcast, bro. I'm excited to be here. I'm very excited to be here. Yeah, man. Yeah, well, I'm excited to capture some of your brilliance, some of your wisdom, because if you guys who don't know Cess, he's a very soft-spoken, strong type of guy. He speaks when he needs to, and he's, he's otherwise, he's always listening, you know, he's always observing. And I know there's a lot, of, there's a huge well of wisdom and information to tap into, especially around personal ceremony. I know that you're very connected to your rituals with cacao and and also your physical practices. So I'm I'm really interested to pick your brain on that. But before we go there, I'm going to ask you the question I ask every guest on the show. And that is to you, what is the difference between a boy and a man? Mm, that's a great question. Even me, like I'm trying to rattle my brain. What is the difference? I feel the difference between a boy and a man, a man would just knows his purpose and his, his presence knows how to show up in a certain space. 
and knows what he brings to a space. And a boy is still still figuring it out. He's still inquiring, self self acquiring, and questioning where he needs to be and what he needs to do and what's next and how he what he needs to bring. So he's always questioning himself what how he turns up in a certain space a certain space and a man will just know 100% what he is and what he what he brings to the table. Yeah. Yeah, that's what's leaning for me on that question, yeah. Well, I, I like that answer. That's it's a big question and it's also I, I like the clarity of that answer and I, I want to make it personal for a second. So in that definition or distinction of boy and man, what was it for you that helped you from being a boy and finding your place in the world, finding your space as a man, learning what you have to bring to the table? What, what did it take for you to get there? Definitely for me, a lot of role models. Definitely my first role model was my father. He is actually, I'm, I'm Polynesian, I'm Samoan, and he was very much a, a leader and authoritative figure growing up and also in the Samoan community. He's actually a chief back in the villages in Samoa. So he still has a say in what happens in the village. People still contact him. So just witnessing him growing up and how he would, how he would show up in a certain space and taking on a lot of his wisdom because he's his less is more for him. So when he speaks, it's he's mm. speaking for a purpose and he'll only speak when he needs to. So I'm definitely taking on that role as him. And yeah, I've I've mm. grown up in also sporting backgrounds too. So knowing like the leaders in a sporting team, that's another thing I've taken on, which person plays which roles and just getting yeah. that understanding who who's the captain and who does which role and who's leading the way. So there's that's that's definitely for mm. me growing up. It's just watching the key figures. Okay, I I like what he's doing. How can I get more of that? And I like what he's doing also. Not all of what he's doing, but the, the leadership quality. So that's what I've sort of taken on growing up. And I also have older mm. brothers too. So that's another role models I've had growing up. I'm the youngest of um, six, but I have three older brothers. And those guys grow up yeah. too. I, I'm going to take a, a slight right turn on this for a second because I, I love what you brought in here about your dad. Mm. And it's cool to know that that's a little bit of where you got that from because there was a Lakota indigenous man. His name was Russell Means. He passed away. He was a huge Native American activist here in the States. And his wife's name is Pearl. And right before he died, they were doing an interview. And in that interview, he they asked him a question and he looked. He just kind of looked over at his wife. And, you know, that she answered the question that they asked him. And she answered first. And then he... You know, afterwards, he said, the reason I did that is because in our culture, the men are taught to let, to let the women speak first because the women are the first, you know, the first keepers of life, the first keepers of wisdom. So we listen to what they have to say first. And then if we feel we need have anything we need to add to it, we will. But otherwise, yeah. there's there's listening first, then speaking. And I, I think that a lot of men for so long, we've had our voices be stifled or we've withheld our voices for all different types of reasons that now there's almost an overcompensation that men want to take up all the air and all the space in the room because we haven't had space to to really express ourselves so i think it's a balance but i I love that old school mentality of really listening first and then speaking when you have something powerful to say because i think a lot of words they, they lose their meaning. Mm-hmm. If, you, if we speak too much, then what we're saying actually loses its gravitas. Mm-hmm. So I like that. I like that you bring that in. I don't know if you've, yeah. if you've got anything else to say in response to that, because I, I do experience you as that type of man. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm definitely like that. And I've, I def, I'm always witnessing and listening to people because I actually learn a lot from listening to people. I'm definitely receiving whatever they're sharing and, and sharing, uh, listening to their, their wisdom and their medicine. And yeah, my, my, my father's very much like that too, because my mom, she's a, she's a queen and They've always got this beautiful balance as like, yeah, he's the one that shows up, but he's always like looking over, 
like what's next like what do i share next and and they've got that perfect mm-hmm. balance that he'll ask her what 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 do i need to say next or is there anything that needs to be added mm-hmm. yeah even though he's still that strong authoritative figure he's still got his queen and has his back 100% uh, yeah sure yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, well cool man i want to just go back a, on, to another something else you mentioned in this distinction between boy and man i love that you shared role models cuz i believe that the men or the masculine presences we have in our lives is sort of, we, we pull from each one and ultimately create our own version of the man we want to be. So role models are really important, but I'm also interested in what it took specifically for you to become the man that you are now, how, how you recognized your role, how you recognized your gifts and what you have to offer beyond just what people were reflecting back to you or showing you. Was there, was there any journey that you went through or trials, tribulations that you had to go through to figure out what you have to give in this world? Mm, yeah, there were, there weren't any major trials or tribulations, but like just a regular teenage boy growing up. I had, I grew up in a very white neighborhood, I had a lot of white friends and mm. I always felt like the outcast and I was quite big for my size and uh, tall and skinny. So I always, quite a, always kind of stood out. For me, I also had a lot of white friends. So losing my culture, not losing my culture, but like not being able to speak my native, my native tongue around in school and stuff. A lot of the Polynesians were on the different side of town and I sort of lost mm. that like, it was spoken at home, but I was so, I spent like six and hours, six, seven hours at school. And, you know, I was around a lot of white kids and at school, so I didn't get to learn it as much. And I was the youngest. So I was trying to figure myself out growing up. As I grew up, I sort of lost the language also at the same time. Like if I fast forward to like to my teenage years, a big thing for me in my teenage years was chivalry. And I don't know where that really came from. It just, it was something that was on my heart to like, it was always to be kind to people, be kind to women. And that's definitely brought up in the Samoan culture also. Like uh, women always eat first, the kids eat first. And I, I learned that through, of course, Fasamoan. It's just the Samoan way. I learned that. And as a teenager growing up, I had this big thing that men are this and, you know, you need to be certain this way. You got to open doors for women, you know, and all that sort of stuff. And chivalry was a big thing for me. But for me, I was more blocking my own issues and projecting where other guys should be. So it was me just like projecting, mm-hmm. okay, I'm the perfect man and everyone, everyone needs to be like me. So I had this, I read this book, mm-hmm. um, How to Be a Gentleman. And it was mm-hmm. certainly wasn't the, it was a great book for that time. It was just about chivalry, how to like, open doors and what to dress like, what ties to wear, how to dress a certain way. And even just, I learned a few little things, even to have a conversation, how to introduce people like that. So that was my first like, first like introduction to, I guess, personal development. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just learning that way and just witnessing other people. Yeah. Just trying to figure who out, who I was, because rugby was a big identity for me. Being Samoan was a big identity I took on and just navigating through that and who I was and who I was meant to be, especially Samoans. We either become like an athlete, we either become a rugby star or we end up working at a warehouse. Like that's the, that's what we're mm-hmm. supposed to be. Like that's a lot of superstars become rugby stars and there's a lot of peer pressure on teenage boys right now in the rugby system that they need to be an athlete. Otherwise you go and work at mm-hmm. a warehouse because we're academically not like that. Mm-hmm. That's a uh, thing for me growing up trying to figure out who I was. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating to hear some of that because uh, obviously I'm more familiar with the boarding school thing that happened here with, with all of our, with all of our indigenous peoples here in North America, when the Europeans were coming through, they, they took the children away from their families, cut their hair. They wouldn't let them speak in their native tongue. They wouldn't let them, you know, pray the way that they wanted to pray. Uh-huh. And they, and, and a lot, I mean, a lot of the stories you hear, and these, these are people who right now are grandmas and grandpas. Uh-huh. So these are people who are still alive walking the earth. It's not that long ago. 
and they they basically robbed them of their culture mm-hmm. and instituted Christianity and Catholicism and these you know gentlemanly chivalrous qualities into the into their culture that you know were already there. Yeah. It's not yeah, like indigenous yeah. people. We, they, the indigenous peoples here, they get painted out to be savages, but really it's when you actually look at it, it's who's telling the story. So it's interesting just to, to hear again another version of indigenous peoples losing their culture for one reason or another. So I, I'm starting to see that there's that this generation, our generation is is becoming more interested in that culture that was lost. Yeah. Because this culture that we were given was was so shallow in many ways, it, it, it only goes so deep and it doesn't carry you through the entirety of your life. So what has that journey been like for you to rediscover and reconnect to your own culture and, and maybe even what you've seen in your family and in, in the Samoan culture altogether? Yeah, it's been a beautiful journey. I've really, uh, I, can still, I can still understand the language and speak general chit chat, but it's something I'm really missing right now. And um, my mom and my, my, my mom and my, my siblings still talk to me. I can still fully, un- fully understand them. It's definitely, I felt that since being on this journey of self-discovery and spirituality, like it's, con- it's a ne- connecting back to myself. Like I look in the mirror, I'm like, I got brown skin. I got all these dark features. I'm, I'm from the land of Samoa. And I think everyone, like you said, everyone's connect to something and then they connect to culture, connect back to the land. And I think even Hollywood, Hollywood definitely like, you can see that now they're going back to that. Like the rock, mm-hmm. he's a perfect example. He's, he's, he's brought out a movie and like he goes back to Samoa in the whole movie thing. and that Hobbs and Shaw movie, he's connecting back to the land and his spiritual culture. And you can see them mm-hmm. in Hawaii. Like, they want to protect the land. Everyone wants to embody something that they can really like something physical, something tangible and the land mm-hmm. and the ancestors and everything. And I feel uh, that's something that people are missing at the moment. For me, I'm definitely just physically look at myself, but also the, this, I have this full circle of discovery of cacao. I think I've already, already shared this with you, but the cacao journey, I've been working with cacao probably almost two years now. And through that journey, it's a, a lot of ceremonies and self-discovery myself. But then last year, I actually didn't know this, but my father, my grandfather, sorry, my grandfather is, uh, was a cacao farmer back in Samoa in the, in like the 50s and 60s. And who I'm named after also. Um, my cousin's <laughs> involved in this, in the business. And I read this on her website and I just went, wait, what? Like, how did I not know this? Like, how did I not, not know that <laughs> my, my grandfather was involved in the cacao plantations and who I'm named after? And it was just a beautiful journey. I'm just like, mm-hmm. yeah, this is going full circle next level. I'm like, okay, this is just another confirmation. I need to c- connect back to my, to my Polynesian roots. So yeah, it's just, yeah, it's yeah. been beautiful. Well, and that's, and that's the cool thing too, because there's a knowing that doesn't happen up in our heads. It's, it's in our DNA. Your, what, what your grandfather lived in his life, working the plantations, having a relationship with the cacao plant, harvesting it and using it however they did, that, that got written into your DNA and passed down to, was it, is that your dad's dad or your mom's dad? Um, my mom's dad. So my late grandfather, he passed right. away in 69. So I never, I never got to meet him. Right. And yeah, it's just incredible. Long before you were born, man. And it's just encrypted in his DNA yeah. and then gave given to your mom, passed on to you. And then here, here it comes. It gets woken up again. And that, see, that's what I think is a beautiful part of this conversation that we're finding ourselves in right now is that so many of us who feel deprived of or bereft of culture because it wasn't passed. Because maybe our parents, like my parents are very Americanized, even though my, my dad's family's from Japan, my mom's family's from Italy. All I know is sushi and spaghetti sauce. <laughs> For the most part, right? A lot of that, when, when, when my grandparents had their children, they wanted them to be more American so they could fit in. Mm. That's what it was about. And now what the consequence of that is, is that me, 
my siblings and cousins and our and I think our whole generation mm-hmm. of people from migrant families is we want to know that culture. We're desperate for it. Like I, I personally have felt a longing for something that makes sense to me. Yeah. Cause Catholicism never worked. Yeah. It, it, it didn't never work for me. And some people that's the thing, but just the fact that we have a generation of, of kids and even, even like our kids, if we don't do something about it, they're going to grow up and they're not going to, their culture is going to be consumerism yeah. and capitalism. Yeah. We're like, uh, and that's a culture that ultimately fails the people, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Cause we're like the middle child now, our generation. We like, we don't know who we are. Like do we try to be like the older sibling or are we supposed to be the favorite, like the little kid, but the youngest, like we're really in that we're right in the middle of, especially technology wise and when society is going, we don't really know who to be right now. And we're trying to connect and connect to something right. and we're just getting modeled up and like, Oh shit. Okay. Well, I guess I'll just figure it out. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, and, and this, this is great. Cause this is really, I didn't know we were going here, but let's do it. So this brings up the conversation of cultural appropriation, mm. which is a very, it's a very big topic right now. Cause with social media, everything is global right now. So if I'm attracted to something in someone else's culture and I want to learn more and, and know more about it, I can access that. I can, I can Google it. I can be, I can be a part of it. And I know that people of these cultures, because I spent a lot of time with indigenous peoples, they've two generations ago, they learned to protect their culture because it was literally taken in from them. They, people were literally killed over their culture and their way of being. So when we talk about young people who are looking for culture, who are looking for something that makes sense, that resonates on a deep soul level there, if, if, if it's not something that was passed along to you in your blood, there's, there's like a hesitance to, to trust you or to welcome you in. Mm-hmm. I think the more appropriate term instead of a cultural appropriation is cultural appreciation. Yeah. How can we appreciate culture? And, and the most important thing is integrity and honoring. Because people ask me all the time, which tribe are you from? I, I guess because of the way I choose to express myself and because people hear about how I live my life and the ceremonies that I take part in and what I support. And it's always kind of a funny conversation because I say, well, listen, I'm not, I'm not part of a tribe. Like you may think of a tribe, you know, I I spend time with people from this land and people from that land. And I pray in front of this kind of fireplace, but really my family's from here and from there. So right now I believe that I'm, I'm choosing a culture that makes sense to me, Mm -hmm. that lights my heart up. I'm choosing a way that works for me because there wasn't really anything passed on to me other than how to be a good person, how to be a family man. Yeah. So I wonder, especially for you, a guy of, of Samoan culture, right? I mean, people are really into what they don't know about. So I'm sure there's a lot of people that are like, what's it like to be Samoan? <laughs> like, what is Samoan <laughs> culture all about? And so I, how, does that, how does that feel for you being in the position that you're in, learning your own culture while other people are also interested in it from the outside? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting journey right now because especially in the, the spaces I'm in, like I'm, like I'm in like the personal development space and in the men's group space, but I'm also, I'm in the, uh, the physical training space and the rugby space. That's, that's where I sort of uh, navigate myself in and swirl around it. And especially the Samoan culture, the, the Samoans, the Tongans, Fijians, they're very, very much big in rugby. I, I actually witness guys who like are Australian, but yet have more, more culture than some actual Samoans. Like there's so much around the culture of it. They, some of them even know like little language, like how to say hello, how to say goodbye, and actually have a conversation. Some of them, some of them mm-hmm. I've even seen getting tribal tattoos. And I'm like, my, my younger self used to be really triggered by that. I'll be like, no, you shouldn't do that. You don't, you're not cultured. You're not, you're not from Samoa. You're not of the land. But now I see it. Mm-hmm. Like you said, cultural appreciation. I see Australian guys with tribal tattoos. I'm like, that's beautiful. Like you're honoring mm. a certain culture and keep doing that. 
mm. and share that because share mm. that wisdom that you have and even for, like for me like seeing it now is such a big difference to what i saw it like 10 15 years ago and like learning my language whilst us other other people witnessing and wanting to be involved in it. it's a yeah it's just it's a beautiful it's a beautiful thing it's just confirmation that people are integrating more and trying to be more connected in certain ways whatever that looks like whether it's cultural or just community yeah so it's uh yeah, yeah, I love it. Love it. Yeah, and, and it's interesting because universal laws are about expansion and contraction, and clearly, it seems like as a human race, we are expanding. We are not. We are no longer individual countries in society. We are a global society, whether we like it or not. And it seems like we're just going to become more melted, more blended yeah. as as time goes on, until we contract again and then reduce back to our smaller villages and yeah. small societies. But in the meantime. I know that it's very triggering for people to see people going to Burning Man and Coachella with headdresses on, mm. with feathers in their hair and, and putting markings on their body that to, to people who've been around way longer than Coachella or Burning Man, that those things actually mean something. So I, I understand and I respect both sides of the conversation. I think it's actually just important to be in the conversation from a space of honoring and curiosity because there are things that a lot of people don't know about. There was, I remember a couple of years ago, Pharrell, who I, I, I love Pharrell, man. Yeah. I think he's like a very woke, woke ass dude. He was on the cover of like a Time magazine or something like that wearing a headdress. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, oh man, did like who missed that? Yeah. Who missed that? Did Pharrell miss that? Like what, what what's happening here? Because because that really means something mm-hmm. to, to certain people. And my experience is that those folks who, whose cultures are being exposed and, and people are becoming more curious about it, it's not that they don't want to share it. They just want to be respected yeah. and heard. Yeah. That's really what it comes down to. So I think that, you know, an awareness that we all get to have is how can we walk in a respectful way? Because this, this earth, this land, everybody I speak to, my elders, they say this earth and land is not any of ours. It's for all of us to share. Mm. For all of us to to appreciate the resources and the teachings of. So yeah. people who are curious and integral, then always welcome at that table. Yeah. Like what we say, like every, everything is sacred. Like life is sacred and there is an honoring and respect. Like, yes, yeah, sh- like share it with the integrity and the wisdom where it came from and just share it for, for the stardom and, and just for, you know, just for the likes and the comments that people do on social media. Like, do you know where that came from? Like, who like, know, they know where it originally came from, from the indigenous from the cultures, like actually like honor it. Mm-hmm. Like we do like set intention, like breathe into it, like bless the land. We always, mm-hmm. uh, we always, every time um, when I've done like ceremonies and things before, like we've blessed the original custodians of the land of the land. Sorry. We've done mm-hmm. that unleash the uh, unleash the beast, like bless the, cust- the original custodians of the land and honor them and, and actually know where you are and why you are here and mm-hmm. who were originally here. So yeah, that's, um, definitely yeah. something people need to remember that yeah we always question why we're we here but actually look around like there were people here before us so I always honor them and just have a little moment to witness them yeah and that, and that's a good punctuation mark to put on it it's not because anyone wants to scold anybody else it's to, it's so that you understand the meaning because when you put a feather in your hair a certain kind of feather and you're wearing it a certain kind of way it means something mm-hmm. you're saying something about yourself you're expressing yourself it's kind of like Pretending you know a language, but when you speak, it's just garbled and, and it doesn't, it's not really, you're not really saying what you want to say. Like people who like speak really poor Spanish yeah, yeah, yeah. and they try to say, yo, yo hablo espanol <laughs> and it, it comes out and, and it sounds, it sounds inauthentic because 
those people know what that means, yeah. but they, they clearly can see that you don't know what that means. So really it's just, like you said, it's an honoring, mm-hmm. you know, there's all, there's so many teachings wrapped up in these cultural practices that remind us of our, our elements, our water, our air, our fire, our earth, that remind us of how we track the sun, that it goes deep. There's a lot of wisdom in, in these ways. And I think for, for all of us who want to know more about that, it's just good to start the, asking the, the people who know, asking the right questions. Because mm-hmm. anyway, I, I appreciate your perspective on that. And, and I actually want to segue now more into something even more personal about you and your practices. Because mm-hmm. on this journey of manhood and becoming the men that we want to be, it can be very unique. It can be very individual. And so coming up with ritual, ceremony, practices that help to ground us and to, and to help us polish who we are and get, you know, learning commitment too mm-hmm. is, is another big piece of that. So I would just like to, for you to speak about your cow practice, your physical practice with zoo and everything else that you're doing and, and just what that's meant for you as a man and finding your sense of commitment, commitment to self. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I love that question. So I've always had, like growing up, I always, I could never really sit still. I used to always move around and like, I couldn't just sit there. Like, even if I'm watching TV, I have to be eating. I always have to be doing something like, and even. That's surprising, by the way, because my experience of you right now is like, you could be sitting still and I could leave you there for hours and I could come back and you still be the same way. (laughs) I'm definitely like, like, that's definitely shifted for me. Uh And especially when meditation was becoming like trending, it was becoming very trendy. I couldn't meditate. And I was like, well, Mm -hmm. I don't know how to do this. So I always found physical training was my meditation. Mm -hmm. You know, you access those endorphins, you go to a different, completely different headspace. And for me, it's quite a a spiritual experience because it's just me. And the one thing I can control of that, yeah, my body is just aching and is in pain, but I can control my breath. And that's when I can really just breathe it in. I'm like, I'm really in my body right now and nothing else matters. And what I found is with a lot of breath work that's coming out, and breath work has become very trendy too, in a lot, well, mainly in Australia, but it's probably been around for a couple of years in the US. And breath work is, it's, it's just a beautiful thing that you can control it. And I found that like, I have people that I know are smokers and for them, I'm going off a different tangent here, but smokers actually they they think that cigarette is actually doing them help but they're just actually breathing they're actually 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 taking a conscious breath and it's insane and i'm like mm. you got, you know you're just breathing right you're not it's not the cigarette and the nicotine you're just <laughs> breathing you actually feel good taking that one one conscious breath you're actually meditating i've always sound with um physical training i can access different realms of my body and my spiritual space and just yeah just go to a whole different level so what i feel in that space is well if i can do this here I can transfer in other areas of my life, whether it's business or within my relationship, career-wise, and also just being with people. What I found with cacao, so yeah, what I found with cacao is it really dropped me in because I couldn't really sit still. So I found those, I, I find these two things very balanced for me. So if I need to like move some energy, I go training. If I need to just drop in and sit still and just and just go within the cacao or access an anandamide in your brain, which is called the bliss molecule, that you may find with some food, but with cacao is at a different level, at a high level. And it gives you that, it mimics other plant medicines, but it just doesn't give you that hallucinogenic thing. <laughs> so that's what I find with cacao. Yeah. It just gives you just enough to just bliss out for a little moment. So just just an opportunity mm. opportunity for me to really drop in with myself. So I've just found these two other things that work for me. Yeah, it's not like the thing, but it works for me. It's my thing. Yeah. I love that, man. And, and I witness you to be someone who's so diligent with his practices. Yeah. I see you really living and breathing 
your your movement and and your relationship with cacao yeah and so the i love that that yin and yang the 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 stillness yeah. and the movement which has you know the balance is really important yeah i'm just wondering how that has translated over into your life because you're also a married man you're a man who has his own business, who has relationships with people all around the world. I see you as a, a leader in your community. So how has the, your, the commitment to your practices translated over to the way you show up in commitments elsewhere in your life? Yeah, it's helped me out a lot. It's taught me structure. It's taught me empathy and sympathy at the same time to be with people and share with mm -hmm. them and connect with them um, and patience too. Mm -hmm. um, definitely within my relationship, more than on the cacao side and just the practices itself is actually being with people, actually listening to them. I find people these days generally only speak to be heard. They're not actually speaking to actually actually share. They're, they're just speaking to just project and dump on people. And I'm like, oh, what's your intention with sharing? And I'm finding that a lot. Like, if you have something, something on your heart that's really powerful, share that. And it's taught me patience and actually receiving and listening to people. And also my queen, we, we have cacao almost every day. We actually drop in and, and have a little ceremony. We, we may go, we may go really deep or we might, it might be just playful, but it's an opportunity to, to connect. Like we might just sit there in ceremony, have sage in the background. We have our doTERRA going, or we might just like, all right, let's, let's do some, let's, let's get some business done. Let's, let's get some shit done, get our masculine too. So it works both ways for us. And mm. it's really just taught me, presence just real presence just being with people and seeing them on whatever they're currently in mm. nice man Spe specifically with your relationship what's it like to share a ceremony and ritual with your partner How, how's that served you guys oh it served us in so many ways like we've been together since we we're 16 17 so we're just little teenagers together and we've we've gone through a lot through our uh, through our union over fifteen years, almost fifteen years, we're just figuring it out. We're just little little kids just growing up, trying to navigate through life, trying to figure out who we are individually as in a couple, and also as an inter interracial couple. I'm someone she's Australian, mm. so that's been a major journey. And we're finally finding ourselves individually and as a couple, like who we are coming together as. And yeah, it's been a it's been a beautiful journey for us, learning and getting to know mm. each other. It's almost, even though we've been together for 15, over 15 years, we've been married since 2014, but like we're really getting to know each other now. Like we know each other, but the, the real deep stuff, like what's really, who we really are is where we are right now and mm -hmm. asking deeper questions and what's on your heart right now? Where do you, who did you want to be as a kid? Like those questions that we would never ask each other and how was your childhood? Like we're really getting a little bit deeper in those, in those questions and even past lives come up and you know, all that spiritual talk comes up or 5D, 4D. <laughs> so yeah, we're, <laughs> we're in beautiful conversations right now, a lot deeper. Yeah, that's great, man. Um, and, and just to take a step back for a moment, when we're, for those of you guys who may not have a context for ritual or ceremony, if you don't know what we mean when we're saying these things, one of the distinctions I got from a brother of mine who I also consider a mentor is that ritual is something that you do repeatedly over and over again. So if you've got a, a yoga practice that you do every morning, it's more of a ritual thing, something that's repeated that you do over and over. Whereas a ceremony is more of like a special, it's never the same. It's kind of a, something that you do. Like, for example, if you go out on a rite of passage, that's more of a ceremony than a ritual mm -hmm. is one distinction of the two. But Either way, when we say rituals or ceremonies, we're talking about sacred space. We're talking about space that is connecting to a higher power, mm -hmm. the intangible, the the part that lives outside of us that we all want to be connected into. And so 
I know for me, it's really been transformative in our relationship for to, to, cause that was one thing we always, it's actually one of the first questions Carrie asked me the first day we hung out. She said, yeah. so what's your relationship with ritual? <laughs> I was like, whoa, well, we're, like, we're going there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? And I was like, and it was cool because I, at a I was at a time in my life where I was exploring more ritual and ceremony. So I actually had something to speak of about that. And it's, through the seven years we've been together, it's carried us through has been these different ceremonies and rituals that we've partaken in even the simple ones. I'm not just talking about like, like a, like a, like a plant medicine type of ceremony. I'm talking about even just on the daily, we have a ritual where before I even go out the door every day, we, we look each other in the eyes and, you know, we say, I love you. And then we say, I choose you. Mm -hmm. And we, what we're doing is we're reminding each other that I choose you today. Sometimes it's right after a fight we just had. Sometimes we're like, mm, I choose you. Mm. <laughs> you know, like I, I still choose you even though I'm like angry right now. Okay. Um, and then we say, we say the words nokomunani, which we were taught um, by, a, by a, a man who studies in Peru that they say nokomunani, it means it's not I love you, it's I have the will to love you. Like I have the, 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 the strength to keep loving you in the way that I do. Mm. And even, even just that, it takes 20 seconds for us to look each other in the eyes and say that, but it, it strengthens us every single day. The hard days, the easy days, the joyful days, the really ch challenging days. And on top of that, we also have a practice that we haven't been doing as much lately to be fully transparent, but we're getting back into of, uh, of doing gratitude at night with each other. And we do, we say things we're grateful for in each other for that day. I'm grateful for the way you took care of the kids. I'm grateful for that you went out and you worked your butt off to put some food on our table. Mm -hmm. And those things have really carried us through. So the really deep spiritual ceremony, we have that too, but also just the simple rituals we do every day that drops us in. Cause with kids, life gets crazy and there's so much happening, yeah. but those connection points are so, so important. I don't know. Do you have anything else to say about that, about relationship? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love that. Uh, Carrie asked you that on the first date, cause that that's like just setting the container as a whole. Like this is where we're going. This is how oh, I yeah. show up. So, <laughs> so she, she, she don't play. Her, she um, don't play. She don't mess around. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, Oh, that's like ceremony. Okay. We're in, let's do this. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, def I definitely think rituals are important. Uh, we have, I actually took on your, I choose you one cause I've, I've heard that before, but in a space where, actually dropping in and just looking uh, eye gaze and say I, I choose you today it's a really beautiful thing and that's where you know those conscious relationships come in um my queen and i uh gilda we've just started one just recently because i have early starts for training and everything so i always have to find her and cuddle her before i get out of bed she goes make sure you find me in the sheets mm. before you get out of bed i'm like okay so i give it like mm. i'll give her a hug then get ready and then come back like five minutes later or ten minutes later once i'm ready and actually say goodbye so that's one thing we've just started like a couple hmm. weeks ago because she's like, she's like, I didn't, I don't remember you saying goodbye because I was still asleep. So we've started that. And also when we, we do say goodbye, it's got to be like a three second kiss. Cause it's, a, it's such a, like a peck hmm. and you, and you exit. I'm like, nah, that's three seconds. Let's uh, actually be with this kiss and be with each other. I like you that. never know my, what might happen. Like something might happen, like God forbid, of course, but that we don't want to call that in. Anything bad will happen, but if something did just know that you got that last kiss in if everything did happen yeah mm. so we're that's what we're going to play with a lot of in our relationship <laughs> that's great stuff man thanks for sharing that and thanks for sharing everything that you did here today and just like every other episode i don't know exactly where we're going to go but I'm, i feel like we really tapped into a lot of the the great stuff that you have to share i really appreciate you sharing your culture and your perspectives on ceremony yeah it's just been it's really great to watch you and witness you on your journey man and and to have you 
express yourself here because you are a so soft spoken guy. But it's it's also nice when you open your mouth. You have a lot of things to share and, and a lot of wisdom just to, to, to bless us with. <laughs> yeah, thank you, bro. I, I am like that. I'm when I'm in a one on one space or just small group. I yeah. I'm always I'm always willing to share and connect and drop in. I love dropping in with people, and you learn a lot about yourself in that conversation, just as much you learn from the person. So, uh, definitely, thank you for having me yeah. on. But it's been it's been an honor to be yeah. on your part uh, on your podcast, and I've been watching the podcast for a while, and listening, and I love what you're doing, bro. And I love I love that you're sharing so much wisdom of yourself and sharing wisdom of others too, bro. So. Thank you so much for letting me be on there. Thank you, bro. Thank you, man. It's an honor to have you. And you're not off the hook just yet. I got a couple of last questions <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. going to ask you. You know they're coming. So what is what is one thing you've learned in your life that you wish you knew back when you were 18 years old? 18 years old. Mm, presence. That's the one thing. Like, there's no one, one anything specific, but like actually having pure presence with someone, just having that chest down, just that confidence, shoulders back and just taking up space. If I knew that when I was younger, like, I don't know, I, like right now I'm in that <laughs> practice of like taking up space, but I felt if I knew that I would be in a different, such a different space right now. So yeah, could you, yeah, yeah, that's a good one yeah. to be present. Yeah, that's a really good one. Okay, cool. And what do you think is the most important value to have as a man? Integrity. That's straight off the bat, just integrity honoring yourself and honoring the process and honor, honor your fellow man and woman. That's just, yeah, that's mm -hmm. a given. That's just, yeah. <laughs> Integrity that's is the main it. thing for me. That's it. <laughs> nice. All right, man. And where, where can people come to follow you, learn more about you, sign up for one of your cacao ceremonies? <laughs> where, where would you like people to go and, and follow you at? Yeah, for sure. I mainly uh, operate on uh, Instagram. So my full name is Sesole. So S-E-S-O-L-E dot slade s-l-a-d-e and cacao is called Tokoko, t-o-a underscore k-o-k-o -K -O on instagram also so yeah even just like listening to my name then it's an english name and that's another identity thing for me <laughs> slade is such an english name and uh yeah just yeah <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Interesting stuff, man. Layers and layers and layers. Yeah. Well, you guys make sure you go and, and follow my bro, Sess here because he's, he's a real deal. He's, he's a good man. I, I only, I only bring the best of the best here on the show and Sess is definitely one of those and make sure you guys hit him up for some of that sacred cacao, you know, going all the way back to how, how long has your family been growing cacao now? Well, I need to try. Would you say if you had to guess? My, I definitely, um, I got to go back there and ask the questions because my grandfather's name is still known back then, but this is probably back in the, I think the fifties and forties, he was involved in it. Okay. Yeah. It's a, especially yeah. it's, it's a specific strand because the heat in Samoa, the land's very different and the soil doesn't take cacao as well. The story is he found, uh -huh. they call it Luffy seven because Luffy is where the village it is. And also the seven is the, the seventh attempt he did. So it's a very specific strand mm -hmm. that he created. So it's like, okay, I need to go back and, and find out and ask questions and see the locals and like, how did this work? So yeah, so I'm excited. Yeah, <laughs> cool. Good stuff. Well, make sure you guys go and support my bro, Sess here. Hit him up on Instagram and check out what he's doing all in the cacao world. It's really good stuff, bro. Uh, thanks again, man, for being on here, bringing your wisdom and always an honor to sit down and have a conversation with you, man. Thank you, bro. I loved it. Loved it. Thank you so much for having me on. This was one of those great episodes where I just get to have a chat with a bro of mine. And before we knew it, we were going into some really great conversations, especially around culture, connecting to something that matters for us, even if it is a culture that we were not born into, which has been the case in my life. I was not born into Native American blood or indigenous ways, and yet I found myself on this path, walking in this way, and to be able to 
honor and revere these cultures and this wisdom that's been passed down for generations, like thousands and thousands of years. Incredible stuff. It's really important to know how to walk with honor and integrity and curiosity and a willingness to learn and to listen. And uh, I know that's been my walk. I know that's been my journey and my path. And it was great to hear Seth and his journey with reconnecting with his own roots that he was born into. And seeing how other people want to dip and dabble into these different these different cultural practices all the while finding our own truth our own true way starting with daily rituals daily sacred ceremony that we have for ourselves whether that's movement or uh, breathing or meditation something that you do for you that connects you back to you and your path that you're walking in your life is essential essential and my man Seth really embodies that so make sure you guys give him a follow everything cacao related you got to go through him he's a really special man especially you Aussie guys out there if you're not already following Seth, then please make sure you follow him over on his Instagram and hit him up give him some love all right all of you guys out there and location is not an excuse I don't care if you're in Los Angeles if you're not in California you're on the other side of the country find a way to join us on September 7th here in LA for our call of the warrior event you got to go and get your tickets right now at rise.jettyazuma.com slash warrior we're gonna have an epic crew of men on the beach learning how to perform the haka together diving into some deep grief and pain work and supporting each other as a united front of men in a way that we've never done before. I've never I've never experienced something like this. So this is going to be incredible for me as well. And I want to see as many of you guys there as possible. So make sure you go register, get your tickets right now. As always, you can get the show notes for this episode and others by going to therisingmanpodcast.com. We got links and resources for every episode. My man, Julian, making sure that you guys have everything that we talk about in each episode, links, references that we make. It's all there for you. So if you want that, it's over on the website, therisingmanpodcast.com. Big love to you, J-Dog. I really appreciate everything you're doing, man, behind the scenes. Please subscribe and follow us wherever you listen to the Rising Man podcast. Please leave a review, a comment with your biggest takeaways, insights. Whatever you're getting from this podcast or this episode, etc. please leave it. Please give us that rating. Give us that review. It's going to help us continue to rise the charts when it comes to men's podcasts and personal development podcasts for men. It also helps to attract more high-powered guests to the show. So if you guys want to hear the, the cream of the cream of the crop then make sure you guys are supporting us by leaving some ratings and reviews it really goes a long way and i appreciate you guys for that so thank you thank you thank you in advance check us out on instagram at rising man podcast my man rowan time doing all that amazing work behind the scenes keeping it fresh mixing it up keeping you guys on your toes please follow us please share all those images with other men that you know so we can get more men on this rising man bandwagon shout out to the other half of my rising man power team first of all sean offenbach at infinite melodics that's at infinite m-e-l-o-d-i-x on instagram he's the man cutting up every single one of these episodes each and every week delivering them to you making them sound clean fresh professional professional is the word we'll use <laughs> thank you brother for everything you do and last but not least our rising man fire circle fire keeper mark rose making sure that everybody is dialed in keeping everybody rallied around the fire circle if you guys are not already a part of our rising man fire circle you can become a member by contributing 33 dollars a month just 33 dollars a month to support the podcast and also gain access to our private rising man community 
community. We've got about 20 other men from all over the world now. We even have our own European fire circle now, so there's no excuses. We've got calls twice a month and a Facebook group where guys are interacting all the time. So if you want to be a part of that, you can head over to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, dot com slash rising man sign up for 33 dollars a month and we'll get you hooked up our next call is going to be on august 24th it's a saturday from 3 to 5 p.m pacific standard time if you guys are on the european tribe we just had our call this morning so you're gonna have to catch the next one but you can jump in and get on board with those fellows an amazing group of guys all right that's all i gotta say for today until next time rise up and claim your destiny